0: The following is a message by Professor Joel Kim from Westminster Seminary, California. For more information about this message or about Westminster Seminary, please visit us online at wscal.edu or call us at 888-480-8474. That's online at wscal.edu or call us at 888-480-8474. Would you turn with me to Haggai Chapter 2? Haggai chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. Hear now the reading of God's word. In the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came by hand of Haggai the prophet. Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to all the remnant of the people, and say, who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it not as nothing in your eyes? Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. According to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt, And in this place, I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. So far, the reading of his word. I want to encourage you this morning that if you really want to know what Haggai 2, 1 through 9 means, that you listen to Dr. Fesco's chapel talk from a couple weeks back. Fortunately or unfortunately, we picked the same passage. And here we are thinking through the same thing. But he has done a wonderful job of reminding us, of the centrality of the temple in the life of Israel. What I want to focus on this morning, however, is a slightly different aspect of it. We want to focus on the disappointment of the Israelites, as expressed in verse 3. When seeing this new temple being built, it simply says, Who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it not as nothing in your eyes? The nothingness of the new temple... In fact, its lack of glory in comparison to the Solomonic temple is the expression of disappointment that the Israelites have. Oftentimes, one of the disappointments that we see in this text is the lack of adornment. When it comes to the size, it's twice as tall, but when it comes to its beauty, it paled in comparison to the beauty of the Solomonic temple. But it's not just about the adornment we see on the temple. We see that there is a problem of presence, As Josephus states, the holy of holies stood empty because all the visible signs of God's presence, the ark, which was lost during the captivity, the altar fire, the glory cloud, all these elements were absent. The elements that would have told the Israelites that God was present, all these elements were missing from this new temple. And of course, the sanctity. Ezra, Nehemiah, and Malachi all refer to the fact that the priesthood during this time were lacking. They weren't as holy as they ought to be. They weren't as uh, serving as they ought to be. In fact, they weren't teaching or serving the way they should be. Heavily criticized for their lack of action, we see that the disappointment of the Israelites were not over not only the adornment or the lack thereof, but the presence and the lack of presence of God, as well as the sanctity. This is where, here, Haggai lifts the eyes of the Israelites and reminds them that the latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former. And in this place, I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. What we want to explore here, then, is one of the subtopics here the disappointment of the Israelites in the lack of presence of God and what that means for the absence of peace for the Israelites during this time. In this tying in of multiple themes of salvation, of temple, peace, Sabbath, and rest, we want to focus on the topic of rest and peace as it relates to the temple itself. Rest is a topic that you and I have come to become very familiar with. In Genesis 2, 1 through 3, thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Despite the significance of these verses, or in the debate over creation days, often focusing on that element of length of time, the main point of the account in Genesis is to point to the glory of God as our creator and to remind all of us that we are mere creatures, totally dependent upon God who created us. To remind us of this dependence, not only does scripture speak of the rest that God engaged in as a culmination of his creation, The scripture tells us that we too must rest following his model. Exodus 28-11 through ties in the rest for his people to the creation account of God's rest when it says, Remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the day and made it holy. The Sabbath for the, for the Israelites was not simply a day to cease work, but a time for cultic activities, for rest and restoration, and for reflection upon the Creator and the place and destiny of His creatures. It was a time given to His people to think upon what God had done and what God continues to do for them. And in fact, the Sabbath day for the Israelites was the sign of this covenant made between God and his people. Exodus 31 reminds us, Above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths, for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. Therefore, verse 16 says, The people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout the generations as a covenant forever." It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. This concept of rest and refreshment, where the Lord is, continues when they enter the promised land. When the Israelites enter this land of promise flowing with milk and honey... The significance of rest is accentuated further, not only in terms of the keeping of Sabbath, but the giving of rest to the Israelites by the gracious God. And here's a convergence of not only the creator God commanding our rest and giving us rest in Sabbath, but the coming together of the redeemer God now commanding us rest as he provides us peace all around us. Joshua one thirteen says, Remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. Such rest from the enemies is a testimony of God's faithfulness to the Israelites. Rest, then, is not only associated with God the Creator, who culminated his creation with his own rest, teaching us as mere creatures to rest, but also intimately related to the idea of God the Redeemer, indeed the giver of peace and refreshment and rest to his people. This leads us to the point where we see the topic of rest and peace and the temple. Perhaps the Sabbath and its worship already hint at this, but the temple becomes closely associated with rest rest not only for the Israelites, but a place of rest for God. For the temple represented not only cultic activities of worshiping God, that worship is represented in Scripture as a place of refreshment and re reinver- rev- Let me try that again. Uh, refreshment for the people of God, uh, gaining strength uh, for the service to the Lord. Second Samuel seven one and nine say, Now when the king lived in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from all his surrounding enemies, and I have been with you wherever you went, and have cut off all your enemies before you, and I will make for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. Now referring to Solomon. But as Solomon builds, the second Chronicles remind us of what kind of man he is. Behold, a son shall be born to you who shall be a man of rest. I will give him rest from all his surrounding enemies, for his name shall be Solomon, and I will give peace and quiet to Israel in his days. This man of rest, then, symbolizes this rest for the Israelites with the building of the temple in 1 Kings 5.3, you know that David, my father, could not build a house for the name of the Lord, his God, because of the warfare which his enemies surrounded him, until the Lord put them under the soles of his feet. And the temple was built to indicate this rest that had come to the Israelites, But it's not only a rest, and rest and cessation from warfare, cessation from all the troubles of life that this temple symbolized. The temple temple itself became for the Israelites a a sign of the divine resting place. Second Chronicles six forty-one. And now arise, O Lord God, and go to your resting place. You and the ark of your might, let your priests, O oh Lord God, be clothed with salvation, and let your saints rejoice in your goodness. Psalm two uh, eight. Arise, O oh Lord, and go to your resting place, you and the ark of your might. Throughout the Old Testament, this concept of rest, in the Septuagint translated it with four words, actually translate 14 different Hebrew words all indicating this rest that the Lord had promised the Israelites. Whether in creation where God rested, whether in Sabbath where people echo and emulate that rest of the Lord, whether in the promised land where they are resting from all the woes of life and are able to enjoy the blessings of the redeeming God, or in the temple where God rested and along with him, his people now experience this rest. Here, now the Haggai, the text that is before us, when the Israelites were hoping for this exile to end. Although the Old Testament does not explicitly speak of any kind of eschatological rest, like the New Testament, the coming of salvation and freedom for the people of God is closely identified with rest and the temple. For the exilic community in particular, the Sabbath rest was understood to be closely associated with the lost temple and the worship of God, where God rests in that temple. Without the temple celebration, there remains no Sabbath, no celebration, and no rest. This leads to Isaiah in 66 reminding us of the Sabbath and its relationship to the temple and the rest that promises. For as the new heavens and the new earth that I make shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your offspring and your name remain. From new moon to new moon and from Sabbath to Sabbath, all flesh shall come to worship me, declares the Lord. One day, this coming together before God in worship will indicate this Sabbath rest. Psalm 132, this is my resting place forever, God says. Here I will dwell for I have desired it. Such desires of the Lord expressed to his people was the yearning of the Israelites in seeing the temple being rebuilt, not only a central symbol of a nation now rising from ashes, but a place where the Israelites theologically and as people of God, desiring to see the presence of the Lord and the peace that represented it. On the other hand, the absence and the continued absence of the temple meant not only the lack of participation of this worship, or the lack of national and ethnic identity for the Israelites, its absence is a powerful symbol of God's judgment upon the Israelites. God does not rest among them. And when God does not rest among them, there remains no rest for his people. Thus, when they saw the temple and the absence of all the markers that indicated the presence of God. Disappointment. Unlike the excitement over the completion of the tabernacle, where the glory cloud came down and people uh, danced and rejoiced, unlike the temple completion by Solomon, the completion of the temple in Haggai only elicited disappointment. Who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? How do you see it? Is it not as nothing in your eyes? Ezra records those who saw the former temple who cried and wailed, for they were disappointed in the results that they saw. The envisioned resting place of God and the symbol of peace and rest that the Lord's salvation provide was far less spectacular than people anticipated. To these, Haggai reminds that the real thing is still in the future. And indicating this future temple and the rest and peace that it will bring, he simply says, the latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, the Lord of hosts. And in this place, this place to come, I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. To you who are gathered here, I guess I don't have to get explicit about the rest of the story. Dr. Fesco is right. Jesus came and tabernacled among us. He became the true temple. And this true temple declares to us in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, to those who are disappointed and weary and tired, he says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You know that Jesus secures this rest. No one else can. The false hope in the temple bringing this rest and peace did not come to the Israelites. Only Jesus can secure this rest. Joshua couldn't do it. Moses couldn't do it. What they couldn't do, Jesus can but not only does he secure it, Jesus proclaims this rest. Not only does he proclaim it, he invites us into that rest and gives it to us. What kind of rest? Well, partly an eternal one. No one wants to doubt that fact. This week, I, in my life, I saw two deaths that at least many people recognized. One was a friend who's been battling cancer for 10 years, who just passed away on Monday after she struggled with cancer for so long. The other was Elizabeth Taylor, with all the fanfare in the news, speaking of what kind of contribution she made in the world. In comparison, the death of Maria Chong was very muted. It wasn't recognizable. No one on this side of glory actually rejoiced or wrote about it on CNN talking about it. But I dare say, at least between the two of them, for certain, Maria enters that rest where angels, and she too will join them in singing praises to the Lord. And the Lord grants us this rest and promises it. And this is why Revelation 14, 13 say, and I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this, blessed are the dead, who die in the lord from now on blessed indeed says the spirit that they may rest from their labors for their deeds follow them they rest from their late labors and the lord who grants them comfort and peace wipes away their tears and gives them rest and makes them whole but it's not only about a future heavenly eschatological rest but a refreshing present reality a rest for us now Jesus, in these words, is not promising cessation from work. It's not like the footprints that you have on your walls where someone comes and carries you the rest of the way. If you don't know what it is, go back and Google it um, because that's the generation we grew up in. The rest he has in mind is the kind of rest (coughs) that allows the worker to return to work with vigor and refreshment. For Christ is with them. Christ sustains them. Christ strengthens them. Friends, all who are weary and tired, as the scripture says, come to Christ who gives them rest. Unlike the people of Israelites who had hoped this rest to be found in the temple, you will not be disappointed. Christ gives you rest, not only for your future, but your present moment as you carry on. May the refreshing and the rest of the Lord carry you, sustain you, as you return to your ministry and your studies. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the rest that Christ Jesus gives to us. We thank you for your sustaining grace each and every single day. Pray that our lips will sing your praises and lift up thanksgiving to you, for you are not only our creator and our redeemer, And the giver of rest that we so desire and need. We thank you for this time. Pray this in Jesus' name. Copyright 2011, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and that you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.